Hello, Father Scott. Hey, how's it going? How are you? Good. You want to know some fun news? Yes. We got a new Patreon supporter. That is good. Hey, we want to give a quick shout out to Kevin for joining our little team here. Oh, good. Uh, if you would like to join our team, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash the MC pod and uh, go ahead and sign up. I uh, take a little things that Father Scott says throughout the thing and uh, put it up there. Uh, he just recommended a movie called The Social Dilemma. Nice. Um, and uh, we might be talking about that in a couple weeks because I still need to watch it. So it's great. Look forward to that. Also, um, I want to talk about something interesting today. Mm-hmm. You know that thing that happens when you sleep and you see a vision, I guess, is a way to put it. Mm-hmm. Also known as a dream. Mm-hmm. What they dreams in the Bible hold a very important part. There are a lot of dreams in the Bible. Shall we go through some? We may. Uh, let's see here. We have a lot to do with Jacob. Mm-hmm. Um, his ladder. Yep. Um, his grain. Mm. The stars bowing down. Oh, yes. Um, what else do we have? Um, we have Solomon's blank check. Solomon's blank check. N- yeah. The Lord appears to Solomon and new king of Israel and offers him anything. Solomon chooses wisdom. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, Daniel and the Four Beasts. Oh, that's a great one. Daniel had a lot of dreams. Uh, the Magi's Warning. Or he actually, Daniel interpreted a lot of dreams. dreams yeah. Right. Um, you had the Magi's Warning. You had the call to go to Egypt, the mm-hmm. call to return. Mm-hmm. But don't go to Judea. You have Pontius Pilate's wife. Mm. Um, seeing Jesus as this holy man and that Pontius right. would, you know, execute him. It's interesting because we used to, especially back in Old Testament times and even in New Testament times, that dreams played a very important role, but now they just kind of seem as a whatever. Yeah. Where did that mindset change? Because you even got to think that a lot of Revelation... That's a great question. A lot of the book of Revelation is also kind of this dreamy-esque type mm-hmm. of style of writing. Mm-hmm. And now it's like... We we still try to, at least back when I was a kid in the 90s and early 2000s, that we would always talk about dreams and what do they mean? And I guess we still do that now. It's just it's not as common. We mm. don't have dream readers like like we did in, in well, the Old Testament. Freud loved this stuff, dream interpretation. Psychology sometimes really gets into it. Um, and and so you can, you can uh, dreams... If you get into the psychology of it, it's it's really manifestations of the unconscious or the subconscious, really. You don't want to say unconscious because that means you're not awake. But but it's ideas of the subconscious, right? Um, stuff that we desire that we do not sometimes allow to be um, – that we do not allow to – to manifest in our lives. There's, there's a great uh, video, a guy with who's um, – I think it was something on hypnotism, and he said that we as as a species are able to, uh, in many different ways, imagine ourselves doing different things that are highly irregular. And I think a lot of times dreams are the way our subconscious kind of plays out a particular scenario to see 
if it's feasible, right? Like, could this, what would this be like uh, in preparation sometimes for something? But um, that's just a, a random thought about that. I mean, if you think about it, we as human beings can pretend to be all and mimic and can act like chickens. Like, you never see chickens choosing to act like humans. Um, uh, it, 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 dogs love it when you howl because you're acting like a dog. You know, so I think we as human beings have a remarkable ability to use our minds to change our personas, right? So, but again, back to back to the dreams, you know, often a psychiatrist will say, oh, well, this is, you're having this dream because you have this repressed memory or this bad thing that happened to you or whatever the case may be. Um, and uh, and so that dream uh, is is kind of revealing something to you about yourself. Um, I'm not a big, uh, I, I think there's, there's that, that's a good point. Remarkably in the Bible, these dreams foretell the future, right? Yes. So Joseph's dream foretells that the 12 sons of Israel will become uh, stars in the sky, right? The 12 tribes, the 12 sons will become, will father the 12 tribes of Israel. So the, the meaning of the, the dreaming of the stars, um, and uh, so there's that, and so that's the, that's with Joseph's dream, and then you had Daniel with the with the statue of the different types of metals like gold and uh, silver and bronze and iron for the different um, for the Persians, and then the uh, no sorry for the Babylonians, then the Persians, and then the Greeks, and then the Romans who took over next. So he's, he's predicting new kingdoms in the. Um, in his dream of the statue, um, so so there's that as well. Um, yeah. So anyway, dreams, dreams in the Bible often can give warnings or tell of the future. In, in Islam, you'll see a lot of people convert from Islam to Christianity because Jesus will have appeared to them in a dream. It's interesting because a lot of dreams in in the Old Testament and in the New Testament seem very more pointed, right? Very more. Hey, you better go do this thing or bad things going to happen. Right. Where dreams now are very they feel very abstract. Mhm. As in like I have a dream, you're in the dream or like the dream you had about taking Kamala Harris's baby. Oh yeah, did I talk about this on yeah, the podcast? Yeah, you did. Oh dear. Weeks ago. Over. Very, very uh, well. You yes. know. Very abstract. Who knows what it means or if you're or just crazy. I could be just crazy. Which is always a possibility. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's not like you're having a dream where you're baptizing a baby. Right. You're taking this infant, invisible infant that may or may not exist, but you can feel the baby. Like, I you know. Like, that was a weird like, dream. That was a weird dream. Uh, definitely. Um, so I, I think with, with the dreams um, that I think there can be those pointed dreams. Um I also wonder um, if we've so overloaded our minds with constant media and uh, television and our screens that we don't really give our, 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 our subconscious a chance to dream and we don't give God a lot of airtime in our dreams because um, our minds are so full with the stuff that happens over the course of the day, so much information they have to digest. Right, so if you're like Jacob wandering in the wilderness, you know, and you fall asleep and you see a ladder in a dream, right? So that's 
Um, I think our, our brains are unnaturally hyperactive today. So it may be more difficult for, like if it's a radio station is constantly bombarded with, with radio waves, when God wants to get a word in edgewise, it may be tough for us to, to, to tune into that. Um, I actually think the human mind does have the capacity to communicate with God. But because the human mind is so active uh, today, it doesn't have the passivity necessary to, um, to, to receive, to be in the right disposition to receive the Word of God. That's just my theory, but I think it can hold some water. I think it's, it's one of the reasons why people find it very difficult to, to, to communicate with God today in, in something we call prayer. So, because we don't make a lot of time for silence and for listening. I tell you, weird stuff happens in your, I, I think, did I have weird dreams on my 30-day silent retreat? Uh, on my 30-day silent retreat, it was odd uh, having a natural mind again, which was very peculiar. It didn't take to like day 10, but when everything starts to really quiet down, um, it's, it's really interesting what happens to the brain. Because you're not watching any TV, you're not watching any screens, you're not watching any YouTube. This will happen in Lent when I give up uh, the YouTube. Again. Uh, again. If I can, yeah, I'm going to try to do that again. But it's, it's um, there's something very freeing about that. And it allows the mind to exist in its more natural state. I think our minds, for the most amount of time, exist in an unnatural state thanks to the communications devices that we have. You did a 30-day retreat. I went through eight weeks of basic military training, which Ooh. means there were no TVs or, or communication devices. Yeah. Like You had to write letters to home if you, mm-hmm. wanted, if you wanted to talk to anybody. You got letters in if, you, if anyone wanted to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the question is, though, because like I didn't have very many dreams when I was You're there. probably dead tired at the end of training. Mostly. Yeah. So it's just one of those weird things that you talk about having a clean brain, but I mean that is a that's about as clean as a brain as you can get because they're just tearing you down and trying to restructure you. So like, but you're doing a lot of physical activity, I would imagine, right? Yes. So your body is craving uh, regenerative sleep, and usually that's non-dreaming sleep, right? Because they say the deepest right. sleep you have is when you don't dream. How are we supposed to? I guess you really won't be able to answer this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. How are we going to be able to differentiate what is noise Ooh. in this dream state or in what is actual information that we are supposed to intake? Well, the dream can reveal a desire that's on a person's heart, right? So uh, if you have a dream that that elicits a particular or a fear that might be on a person's heart. So that might have been buried by the subconscious that we don't really acknowledge a lot in, in reality. Um, what was the question again? How are we supposed to interpret what is just noise and what is the actual message? Well, the message could just be a psychological message. It might not be from God, right? It might just be a deeper awareness of oneself. Um, and then this is why interpreters of dreams were so important. Like in Daniel's day among the Babylonians, he rose to fame because he could interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream, right? He was able to show him what the dream really meant. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar just has this crazy dream of a statue with a gold head, you know, silver torso, and then um, bronze waist, and then iron legs. And that, that's a weird dream to have. Uh, but it took Daniel to say, okay, your empire is the empire of gold on the head, but then it's going to go silver with the Persians, bronze with the Greeks, 
iron with the Romans. And, um, and he was able to, to forecast that. So, um, so the, the, the interpreter of the dream is, is also very important. Hmm. For, for me, in spiritual direction with like seminarians and whatnot, yeah. a, a lot of this happens when they're conscious. So it's not like they're dreaming. They don't usually bring to me, hey, Father, I have this dream. But these are the things that came up to me while I was praying, right? And that I, I actually think God would prefer to interact with us when we're conscious, uh, with the Holy Spirit working with us when we're conscious, than when we're unconscious, which is an interesting thing. I mean, don't tell that to Joseph. <laughs> Why not? I, I mean, mean maybe, like maybe that's what worked with Joseph. I mean, Joseph may need to have been hit with a, with a stronger message, be like, yeah, this, this is really important, Joseph. This did not come from you. Right. This idea did not come from you. Like going to Egypt is not your crazy cockamamie idea of a family vacation. Right. This is how you escape Herod. So I I think that's um, that's very valid. But with the seminarians, it's sometimes something will come up in their in their contemplation of scripture. And I'm like, that's that's important to to recognize and, and to meditate upon. And there's a meaning there behind the experience you had in prayer. Um. And that becomes very interesting. Um, and I've been thinking about this, too, in terms of, because we have a lot of listeners out there who are not uh, clerics or religious sisters. And, and I began to wonder, for the non-celibate vocation, um, what is, maybe I can ask you this question. What do you desire as a Catholic? Uh, before I met you or after I met you? Uh, Let's go before, just because I'm curious. Oh, that's a good question. What did I desire as a Catholic beforehand? I guess my desire was to go to heaven, but that was about it. Okay, that's a good desire. Right, but I think the desire was placed in the wrong lane. Okay. I think it was just more of a come to church because you need to come to church type of checkbox sure, type of thing. Sure. Then there's this random priest that decided to show up and start, you know, talking to us young adults and showing us a different way. And the desire now is to grow closer to God while helping my wife get to heaven. Good. Well, that's good. How's that going? Uh, growing closer to God. There's yeah. the good days and the bad days. Sure, sure, sure. But there's a, yeah, no, that's good. Growing closer to God. Um, I, I've been thinking about this, you know, because I do the spiritual direction with the seminarians. And I'm listening to them articulate this, this deep relationship they have with Jesus and all this stuff. Um, and it occurred to me, by the nature of the celibate vocation, the, the priest needs a deeper friendship with Jesus to sustain his vocation than perhaps the married man, because the married man also has a wife, you know? And right. so I'm trying to think of, and this gets back to the dreaming, what was what? What's and it's the year of Saint Joseph. So it this is. is this is very good. So how does Joseph? How is Joseph supposed to grow closer in his relationship with Jesus? And so I thought about this, and I and I thought to myself, self, how does Joseph? Um, you know, how does how does the father of a family? What what's the right relationship they should have? Um, uh, with Jesus and with Mary, and, and what should be their hope for in their spiritual life? Because I'm wondering if the desire of what the, the priest, I think, deeply desires friendship with Christ because he needs it so much more to sustain him in his vocation. Um, the, the, the father 
of a family or the mother of a family, uh, they, the, the mediation of Christ's presence usually comes through their spouse, right? So right. They, they, by, loving, by laying your life down for your wife, um, Jackie, you are in a way imitating Christ who laid down his life for his church, right? So by you doing that, that's, a, um, that's I think, how you experience deeper union with Christ precisely through your family, um, which is which is very good. There needs to be that relationship with God uh, to a certain extent. Um, yeah, but I, I I have pondered this, and I'm, I'm this is why I'm curious. What what is the desire of of the um, of the layman's heart? Well, I think you need to ask not only a layman who is married, right, but also one who is single. The single ones are interesting because. I wonder if the desire will reveal their vocation, right? So right. if they desire uh, primarily to be married and have children, and that's their fundamental desire, then they should get married and have children. If their desire is to become a priest, they should become a priest. The hard part is when they feel like, well, I kind of desire both. And then you're like, ah, now things get interesting. Well, because I desired both. Correct. Before I met Jackie. Jackie. But then... She showed up and... And then that dream, or that desire did away. not manifest itself again. Correct. Good. The, the one for the priesthood. The one for the priesthood. Yeah. Well, that, and that, I think, and it, I think that, might be, that might be because you were called to the married life with Jackie. Right. And it's one of those things that I always like to think of like a what if situation. Mm-hmm. But like, it's like, what if I never met Jackie? You know? But then it's just like, I probably would have tried to go to seminary and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't go beyond, like there's no thought beyond that. I mean, we've talked about sure. what, you know, what makes a good priest. We've talked about those things of whether you thought I would make a good priest or not. And your answer is no, because I'm a crazed individual or something like that. I forget. I don't well, remember. Well, probably because you were married to Jackie. Well, yeah, but I was talking, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, but it's interesting that we bring this up of the idea of what, you know, what desires and if dreams can pull desires. Because if the uh, the fourth Sunday of Ordinary Time... Mm. The second reading kind of... Yes, the unmarried man versus the married man. Marin, mm-hmm. uh, from from St. Paul to the Corinthians is, an unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord and how he may please the Lord. Where, uh, But a married man is anxious about the things of the world and how he may please his wife and he is divided. Correct. Which is interesting because I essentially gave that answer. Mm-hmm. Just in a different way. Correct. Yes. Um, yes. It, it was just one of those things that's like, I said that, and then you started talking, and I was like, wait, that sounds really familiar. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's just one of those, like, because it's true, which is so weird, because I don't think St. Paul ever got married. Correct. But yet, he is able to describe the desires of a married man and a married woman like he's experienced them. No, no, it's it's uh, if for you Lord of the Rings folks out there, the call of Frodo and the call of Sam are complementary but different, right? Right. Sam is called to marriage and he has a deep love of Middle Earth, right? Yeah. Frodo has been stab- stabbed by a Morgul blade. And this world 
for Frodo has lost its taste. And um, because of that, um, like the priest, he wears black. No, uh, because that, that's part of the reason. I think, I think the priest um, is very aware that he's just passing through. And he's got no kids in terms of biological children. Uh, he's got no wife, so he, he's not concerned about that. He will care for the parish. But the more I think about it, he cares for the parish in that uh, all he has to do is follow Jesus very closely as his friend. And the parishioners are then attracted to that. What the parishioners, I think, find repellent is when the priest is like, I need the parishioners to be my friends, and I need to say popular things and get them to like me. And beat around the bush and, and, not, and, really... and not, not really... Not really, you know, help edify them. And, 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 then, and then the parishioners, you know, you'll get some people who just laugh, oh, isn't that funny, ha, ha, ha. But that doesn't... That doesn't... Fulton Sheen, Bishop Fulton Sheen, he once said, you know, the, the priest is, is by that nature mysterious. And... And I think what makes the priest attractive is, you know, not necessarily that people understand the priest or like, oh, I totally get everything he's talking about. It's that, you know, Father seems to really take this stuff seriously. And maybe I should too, you know? But do you take it seriously? Yeah, you do. (laughs) I do in a light way. Yes, you do. So, so the You make it palatable. Right. It's like I I see myself as like uh, like a mother hen, and I'm regurgitating what I've learned from the Word of God. Yes, just imagine me spewing my uh, my thoughts into the mouths. Um, So that's disturbing. Uh, Uh, Yeah. Why? Why do you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just enjoy it. Um, So so anyway, with the peoples, how do I help? Uh, It's it's um, the key is you got to take lightly what's light. And then, um, but, but also there's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Recently, I've been much more detached from things in a strange way. And I don't understand what's How going on. How do you mean? Uh, I don't know. My brain feels lighter. I don't think, I'm not on any medications, people, uh, that would affect my my conscious You're on state. Plenty of medication. Yeah, but I'm not on like like uh, goofballs, right? So there's there's something I don't know what it is, but it's like uh, uh, like you've unplugged, it, like yeah, like like I don't know. I can't I can't it, put my finger on it. Is it because of the retreat where you were kind of just away from everything? This was before the retreat. Even before the retreat, it was when I came back after August. Interesting. I think it's, I think it's, uh, you know, there's just, uh, you got to care about the stuff that matters and let the other stuff slide. Um, and I'm letting a lot of stuff slide um, that I would usually get all hung up about. So I think there's, there's an importance to that. Um, but the, the key is the relationship with Jesus. Um, that I take that very, I wouldn't say seriously, but... I would say it's very important to me, right? I think too many people are taking too many things seriously, to be honest with you. You know, oh my gosh, somebody tweeted X, Y, Z. And then everyone starts wagging their jowls, going, oh, that's a reprehensible, reprehensible uh, uh, quote, right? Or tweet. And you're like, oh, for Pete's sake, you know, loosen up. 
a lot of people are too tightly wound right now. I think it's partly the pandemic. Well, yeah, you can't get out. You can't do anything. So people are on social media more. Oh, my gosh. And it's just a whole, it's a whole thing. Yep. It's a whole wild thing. Yeah, I need to watch that movie. The social, yeah, because you'll yeah. understand why we're so polarized after watching that. Because one of the theses of the film is, and it's, well, it's not a thesis, it's how they designed the social network, was um, to keep, the, the goal of like a Facebook is not to inform you or give no. you the truth. It's to keep your attention. As, the same thing is for Google. Um, and it's, it's now the same thing for news networks. It's not their goal to inform, it's their goal to keep your attention. And so they can sell advertising. And so fake news is much better at keeping your attention than true news, right? So aliens have abducted, like, uh, Hillary Clinton, and now she is um, drinking baby's blood uh, on Thursdays at... Uh, I knew it! <laughs> and so it's just the, the, the crazy, the crazy always gets the attention more than the sane. Um, and they, and the more crazy they get, they're like, wow, that's, that's crazy. Um, people have to be able to take a step back from all this and say, well, okay, I don't trust any of this stuff. Uh, how, how do I go about seeing what seems probable? Um, you can't just accept the media as true. You've got to actually say, okay, uh, and this is for all media, what seems valid and, um, which slows everything down because it means a distrust of authority, but um, but I think it's necessary to in the current climate where it's just so uh, wacky tobacky. So yeah, that's that's what's going on there.